and thank you for tuning in one more time. We have been studying all the books of the Bible. This week, we are on the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. The book of Psalms, the Psalms of David, as it's often called. There's a lot of good things we're going to learn from this book. Let me start out by saying, I personally love this book. You ask me why I love it, I'll tell you. A lot of the books of the Bible is really God talking to mankind. But in the book of Psalms, is actually people talking to God. So I love the book because I can identify with a lot of things that's being said in the book. You know it's a good thing to be able to have time to talk with God. Let me start out by saying the word Psalms in Greek means music. Just like you listen to music, some of you like jazz, some of you like gospel, some of you like Luther Fandrup. Hey, don't tell me up. <laughs> you know, I like some music too. Whitney Houston is my girl. I mean, I love some, some good music. And so the word Psalms means music. Now, in Hebrew, that word, that same word simply means praise. So that should give you a good picture of what we're about to talk about. So when we talk about the book of Psalms, we are talking about a collection of poems and a collection of praise, a collection of what I would call music, and believe it or not, a collection of prayer. So that's what you can expect in the book of Psalms. I can stop there and have church because, just think about it. Can you imagine a life that is full of music, that is full of praise, that is full of thanksgiving, that is full of prayer? You talk about a happy life. So let me encourage you up front to embrace a lifestyle of praise, a lifetime of prayer, a lifetime of thanksgiving. Believe me when I tell you, your life will never be the same again. I've got to be honest with you. I'm just like every human being that, that are out there. I have some challenges in my life. I, I face tough questions just like you. And people often ask me the question, how do you make it? How do you survive? Well, the Bible says, encourage yourself in the Lord. That's how I survive. There's something about picking yourself up. But how do you do that? You do it with psalms, with hymns, poetic songs, praise, thanksgiving, prayer. These are things that will help you to stand when you go through some difficult times. 
The book of Psalms is so special to me because, like I said, it's an opportunity to pour your heart out. It's so authentic, so real. That's humanity talking to God. Sometimes God wants to know what you think. It's good to hear what God has to say. And thank God for the rest part of the Bible. I love it. Whether from Genesis to Revelation. But the book of Psalms is so special. Because it's you and me, the psalmist, talking to God. Please take note that there are 150 chapters in that book. So collection of 150 songs or poems or prayer, whatever you want to call it, or music. Now, many people often refer that book to, to be the Psalms of David. But I've got to be honest with you, David did not write all the Psalms in the Bible. Some of them were written by a gentleman by the name Asaph. Some of them were written by Song of Rima. Some of them were written by Solomon. Some of them were written by Moses. Some of the songs were written by anonymous musicians. So my point to you is that David did not write everything. Of course, you need to know that David was not just a king. It's not just a military man. David was a fine musician. He plays an instrument called the harp. I don't know if you have seen a harp. So David is a harpist. All right? And David also is a poet. So he writes poet, he turns it into song, and then plays his harp. All right? You probably have heard the song, Little David, play on your harp. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's somebody celebrating the fact that David was not just king, was not just a soldier or a military man, but a fine musician. In fact, it is recorded, ladies and gentlemen, that 73 of those 150 chapters in the book of Psalms were written by David. So now you can see why a lot of people often call the whole book the, the Psalms of David. That's a lot that he alone had written. Now, so much of all the theologies and the technicalities, but let me tell you how the whole book, so you can have an appreciation of this book. Because I really want you to get in the habit of reading the book of Psalms. You don't have to read the whole book at a time. You can take one at a time. And so the way it's I'm going to give you a good framework of how the book is set up so that when you read it, it will make sense to you. The first thing you need to know, beside the fact that there are 150 chapters, the whole book can be divided into five different sections. Five different sections. 
So before we talk about those five different sections, we need to deal with chapter 1 and chapter 2. Uh, because those two chapters are very unique to themselves. All right? Uh, the first book, which is chapter 1, talks about blessed is any man or woman who puts their trust in God and who invests their time and energy in study the Torah. For an average Israelite, that's a big deal. You remember the Torah is the, is the five, first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. The Jews believe that is serious, straight talk from God. So, chapter 1 of the book of Psalms devoted itself to the message clearly that anyone who study and trust the Torah will be blessed. I can stop there and have church. If I ask you this evening, do you want to be blessed? I'm sure you will say, of course I do. Well, I just told you how you're going to be blessed. Anybody, male or female, black or white, Jews or Gentiles, who study the book of the, of the Lord, the Bible, the, the Bible said that man, that woman will be blessed. You probably remember the language of the first chapter talking about blessed is any man who do not walk in the company of the scornful, who do not sit among bad dudes, whose delight is in the law of God, and in the law of God, that's the Torah, in the law of God, he meditates day and night. Remember how it starts? Blessed is that man, blessed is that woman who don't hang around bad company. Instead, devoted his or her attention to studying the word of God, reading the Bible, and meditating upon it day and night. The Bible say that man, that woman shall be like a tree. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting already. That person shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his or her fruit in its season. And whatsoever that person does shall prosper. So right from the bag, right from the beginning, the book of Psalms tells you how to be blessed. The book of Psalms tells you how to prosper. I don't know about you, that is something to celebrate. If I were you, I would pay close attention to that. I do want you to prosper. I do want you to be blessed. Too many people are struggling needlessly. You are called to be blessed. Receive it right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Then you see chapter 2. Chapter 2 just basically focus on encouraging you and me to consider the covenant of Almighty God. 
you know the covenant meaning the Ten Commandments and all that. You remember, thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not worship idols. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not this. Thou shalt. All that Ten Commandments, it will do you a lot of good. It will keep you out of jail. It will keep your family together. It will keep you out of trouble. Even beside even knowing God, just to play by those Ten Commandments will save you a lot of headache and a lot of problems in your life. Again, I want to encourage you. Please consider re revealing those commandments. I know it's in the Old Testament, review it in the book of Exodus. Just go through it and, and try your best to live by those those commandments. I mean, what part of thou shalt not steal? You don't understand. What part of thou shalt not kill? You need a dictionary for. So those commandments are pretty simple, straight up, very clear. And if you and I would live by it, believe me when I tell you, touch them. A life of success. A life of meaning. A life that is full of prosperity. So once you get out of the way those two chapters up front, then the rest of the book is divided into five sections. And we're going to go through each section one by one. So you know exactly what to expect. The first section of that book is about David. David, you find in several chapters, about chapters 1 through chapter 10 or so, there you see David pouring his heart out to God, crying before God. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I need help. Lord, have mercy on me. I mean, he just crying, just pouring his heart to God. And the result of all those poems, all those chapters, is that God elevated him. There's a lesson there. In case you're making notes, the first point I made to you is the need for you to face your time and energy in studying the word of God. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of God. And in the law of God, you meditate day and night. The second point I made to you in chapter 2 is the importance of you being a part of the covenant of God. God covenant with Israel. And he gave them ten commandments. I encourage you that commandment worked back then, that commandment will work for you today. Now, the third point I'm making to you, or for you this, this evening, is that now we begin the five sections of the book, and that first section, we see David crying to God. And the result of authentic confession before God 
authentic pouring out of your heart before God. Talking to God about your situation. Lord, I'm tired of being homeless. Lord, I am tired of being sick with cancer. Lord, I need your help with my children. Lord, I need you to intervene in my marriage or whatever it is. If you will learn to cry out to God, guess what the result will be? The same thing that God did for David, he'll do for you. God elevated David. David had a lot of problems. He had a lot of crises. He was struggling with his parents, you know. It is, you know how he talks about when my mother and my father forsake me. See, he was dealing with rejection at home. Even when he became grown up and he got the promise of God to become king, uh, he got in trouble with the king. The king was chasing him around. So he, he had so many issues. Even when he became king, I mean, his own son tried to, to remove him from office. Uh, then there's all kinds of family dysfunction. I mean, one of his sons raped one of his daughters. He was just so much, so, so much broken home, so much crisis. And you remember his affairs with the wife of another man. And so much was going on in his life. So the first several books of the book of Psalm, we find David crying out to God, Lord, I need your help. I can't take it no more. I cannot handle this situation. You know, the problem with many of us, we are too busy trying to figure things out. We are too busy trying to fix our own problem. We are too busy trying to solve our own crisis. Have you ever thought about just giving it to God? Let me, let me shoot straight with you. There are many things that's happened in my own life. But one of the things, one of the best things that happened in my life is when I learned to just give my problems to God. Where I wish I had somebody to teach me what I'm teaching you today. But when I was coming up, I really didn't have that much biblical guide. I was in church. I do my best to be a good boy and all that stuff. And I serve in the, in the church. I serve in the choir. Serve in royal ambassadors. I do everything that you can imagine a church boy. But deep within, I knew there's a yearning for more. Deep within, I was dealing with issues of life. Crisis. Wondering why this, why that, why me, why am I struggling? But I got to a point that I learned from David to simply cry my heart out to God and let God fix my situation. In one time, David put it this way. He said, this poor man, Cry unto the Lord. The Lord heard him and delivered him of all of his trouble. Wow. You know what, what I'm trying to tell you? Consider 
pouring out your heart to God. If you are listening to me this evening, maybe you're going through some challenges. It's not uncommon. Life is full of curving turns. Sometimes life will throw you a curveball. You invest in business, the business don't work out. You invest in a relationship, the relationship runs into some, some, some challenges. Even children. I'll be honest with you, even church people, even those of us who are in ministry. So crisis is a fact of life. The question is, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to handle it? And I'm suggesting to you, like the first part of the book of Psalm, turn it over to God. He can work it out. Can I get an amen? <laughs> then you get to the second section of the book of Psalms. It talks about hope. The hope of the Jewish people. There were many things they were hoping for, but the key factor of their hope is two things. Number one, they were hoping for the rebuilding of the temple. I know that may not make mean much to you as an American. But to the Jewish people, the temple was big deal. It was the center of their worship. It was the center of their community activities. It was the center of their, their personal identity as people of God. Of course, the enemy has come and burned down the whole temple. I remember when I went to Israel with a bunch of my church members from Zion Hill, the only thing remaining of that temple is wall. You probably have heard the term wailing wall. Well, let me, let me shoot straight with you. That wall was not originally a, a wailing wall. It was the wall of the building of temple. So even though the rest of the building was destroyed, the wall is still there. So people go there today and pray. I remember when we were visiting, several of my church people, they did that. I was watching them even. Some of them even wrote their prayer. They brought it from Louisiana, from Pineview, Alexandria, and they stick those paper in the walls. I was watching. I'm, I'm not trying to criticize. <laughs> I mean, whatever worked for you. <laughs> I remember we got to a place called Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, where Peter acknowledged Jesus. Jesus was asking the disciples and saying, look, who do people see I am? And everybody was coming with their own theory. Some say you big shot preacher. Some say you're a big prophet. Some say this, some say that. And Peter, feel full of the Holy Ghost. He said, no, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And so we went to that very location where Peter made that confession. And you know how Jesus was so impressed. Jesus said, flesh and blood have not told you that. And, see, and then Jesus rewarded him. He said, upon this rock, I build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against. I took all my church members there, you know. Some of them, there was a little uh, stream or river. Some of them washed their hands and washed their face. I mean, all kinds of stuff that I saw during that trip. So, but the wailing wall was a wall of the, the old temple. So, the second part of the book of Psalms was full of songs and poems and prayer of the people of God telling God that they hope that God will fulfill his promise and help them to rebuild the temple. Another thing they are hoping for is that they are hoping that one day, someday, the Messiah will come and save them from their enemies. Well, I'm not telling you this just for you to know the content of the book of Psalms or just for you to know the thinking of the Jewish people. I'm telling you so that you also can have hope in God. Wouldn't it be sad for you and me to go through life and we have no hope? You may even think that you don't need hope. But believe me when I tell you, if you examine your life closely enough, you will see areas of your life that you can use some hope. Hope is what you have for a better tomorrow. Hope is what lifts you up from your present condition. That you look beyond your circumstance and you look beyond your situation and you look beyond your condition. You look beyond your now and see a preferred future. You see, I just know in my spirit tomorrow will be better. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but if you are, if you are listening to me today and maybe things look a little dim or, or, or it look like you're struggling, I dare you to have hope in God. I dare you to, to, to believe that your tomorrow will be better than your today. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting already. I am who I am today because I had hope in God. Many of you know my story. I came to this country. I had nothing. There's a white sister. Her name is Barbara Epperson, a missionary in Nigeria. She's an American, but she came to Africa single female, and she was a phenomenal missionary. Well, just to help the brother out, she gave me a $100 check. I want you to have hope in God. No matter what it looked like, I want you to encourage yourself in the Lord. Just hope. You see, I could have given up when that check bounced and said, well, that's it. Um, get depressed about it. But really, in with deep within my soul, I just knew there's going to be a better tomorrow. Well, I hope I don't have to tell you that today, $100 check is not my problem. But how do I get here? I had to have 
hope in God. So I'm encouraging you, have hope in God. Now abided faith, hope, and love. The Bible says the greatest of these is love. But make sure, notice that hope is on that list. Part of the problem in our society today, people are living a hopeless life. You talk to folks, what's up, man? What's up, dude? No, ain't nothing happening. Well, I don't believe I'm going to make it. Some of them will say, there's no point for me voting. My vote don't count. No. Have hope, my friend. Get excited. God is fixing to bring you out of whatever you're going through right now. There's hope for your children. There's hope for you. There's hope for your marriage. There's hope for your job situation. There's hope for your health situation. God is able to bring you out of everything the devil is trying to throw at you. Hallelujah. So the second section of the book of Psalms is all about a message of hope. Tomorrow is going to get better. We encourage. They have hope that their, their temple will be rebuilt. They had hope that someday the Messiah will come. Then that leads us to the third section of the book of Psalms. The third section of the book of Psalms talks about the promises of God. Lord, you say this. Lord, you say that. See, I have, I, I have many of you may, may not know this. I have five children. And one of those children, I won't mention nobody's name, but she is notorious in reminding me of what I said or what I promised. I mean, that young lady taught me not to just say anything unless I'm going to do it. Well, the Israelites are doing the same thing to their God. They're basically reminding God, Lord, you promised our father, Abraham. Da, 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 da. You're going to, you're going to bless him with a son. You're going to bless him. You're going to take him to the promised land. Lord, you promised our forefather, David. You say out of his loins will come a Messiah. So they're reminding God of his promises to the Jews, to the Israelites. Do you know that you can tap into the same anointings? And remind God about what he said. You know one thing I love about your generation, my generation? The Jews, they have very few promises to work with. But we are better off. We have a lot of promises in that Bible. Have you ever heard the term, God said it? I believe it. It is said well, let me, be, let me be honest with you. Yes, God has said a lot of things. Whether you believe it or you don't, it is said. But to actualize what God has said, to actualize all the promises God has made in the Bible, guess what? You have to believe in it. 
And you have to put God in remembrance of his word. Just like little Jesse will remind me. Dad, you promised me. You said you're going to take me to the games. You said you're going to take me to Disney World or whatever it is. You said you're taking me out for dinner today. And that little girl will hold me to it and remind me over and over again. Well, let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you remind God about his promise for your life? In fact, do you even know what God has promised you? Well, let me remind you of some of the promises that God has made to you and me. Number one, he said when you messed up, when you screw up, if you confess your sin, he is committed, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Guess what? I've had to remind him several times about that. You know, just like you, I messed up from time to time. I'm not really perfect. I'm still under construction, working towards my perfection. I'm still working on my soul salvation. So every time I messed up, I remind God, don't knock me out. You promise that if I will repent, if I will fest up, the Bible put it this way, he who covereth his sin shall not prosper. But anyone that will confess and forsake them will find mercy. That's a promise from God. Another promise of God is found in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. There God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, God promised, I will hear you when you pray and I will heal your land. You know we're going through COVID-19 right now. Wouldn't it be nice if somebody had enough common sense to challenge all of us like I'm doing right now and remind one another that God has promised to hear us when we pray and God has promised to heal our land. But what we need to do is four things. We need to seek God's face. We need to pray. We need to, to turn from our wicked ways. And guess what? We are called by his name. And he said, those who are called by his name, if my people who are called by my name would do those four things. What are those four things? Humble yourself. Number two, seek his face. Number three, pray. Number four, turn from your wicked ways. He said he will hear and he will heal our land. We could nail this problem in the butt and shut down COVID-19. But the problem is that we are too busy fighting each other. We are too busy disrupting 
not trusting one another, pointing finger at each other, dodging the bullet instead of telling the truth about the, the, the virus and what he's doing and not doing what God asked us to do. So guess what? We continue to deal with the problem. What am I trying to say? God has made several promises. One of his promises is to heal you. You remember how the Bible says he was wounded for your transgression, he was bruised for your iniquity, the chastisement of your peace was upon him by his stripe, you're healed. There are many promises, thousands in the Bible. Remind God about his promise. Hallelujah. So this first section of the book of Psalms talk about David crying, crying unto God, and as a result, God elevated him. The second part of the, of the book of Psalms talks about hope of the Jewish people, hope that God will rebuild their temple, hope that God will send the Messiah. And the third section of the book of Psalms talks about the promises of God. To, to Jewish people. They're reminding God, do what you promised to our father. Now, the fourth section of the book of Psalms talks about their experience in exile. Many of them, they were beaten. Many of them, they were enslaved. Many of them, their homes were destroyed. Their temple was destroyed by the enemy. And you might be saying, oh, thank God. I live in America. I'm no slave to nobody. Nobody's destroying my house. Nobody's, nobody's making me a slave. But really, you and I can be slave to sin. You and I can be slave to addictions. You and I can be slave to sicknesses in our mind or whatever it is. Do you realize the people of Israel were we're telling God, look, why are we in exile? We're supposed to be children of God. We're supposed to be the apple of your eyes. Why are we going through this? Why, is, why do you allow the enemy to come and conquer us and conquer our children and destroy our home and destroy our culture and destroy our temple? Maybe you're going through something similar. And you're wondering why. Why? Why did I lose my car? Why did I lose my job? I was talking to one young man in Africa. He told me, he probably is watching right now. He told me he worked for nine years for a company. And then he got laid off. And he said, Dr. Dara, right now I don't even know what the future holds. I don't know what you're going through. But I do know one thing. It's okay to ask God to help you. It's okay to cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because you need to know in your knowing that God cares for you. I love the way the book of Psalms end up, the fifth section of that book, and if you look at the last five chapters of the book of Psalms, it starts with hallelujah and it ends with hallelujah. The word hallelujah means 
Hallelujah. Yah is from the word Yahweh, like God. So the whole fifth section of the book of Psalms is talking about the name for you and me to praise God. I believe with all my heart that we need to praise God more in our life. The praise that I'm talking about, you don't have to wait until you go to church Sunday morning before you praise God. You can praise God in your shower. You can praise God in your kitchen. You can praise God on your job. You can praise God on the highway. I'm telling you, even in your bathroom. Sometimes I'll go behind my house in a big open yard and just start praising God with the birds. I am telling you, praising God is key to your deliverance. Praising God is key to your salvation. Praising God is key for your breakthrough. I'm telling you, that miracle you're believing God for, if you would learn to praise God, do you know you can praise your way out of trouble? I've been there. I wish I could testify. You can praise your way out of difficulties. You can praise your way out of trouble. You can praise your way out of poverty. You can praise your way out of struggle. I mean, every hindrance, every shackle, that the devil is trying to chain you down, you can break through, you can press your way out of it in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am telling you, let me just round this up by telling you the bottom line about the book of Psalms. There are two big categories or broad categories category for that book. The first category is more of lamenting or, or uh, complaining and pointing God, pointing out what is not right, what is going wrong. The second part of that book, the second category is more of praise. I wish I have time to talk more about that because in life you also will have to choose whether you're going to spend the rest of your life lamenting or whether you're going to spend the rest of your life praising God. Now, part of, can I share straight with you? Part of the problem I have with churches today, we spend a lot of time lamenting, talking about our pain, talking about our hurt, talking about the injustice of this world, talking about how many people have been to you, you see, you are lamenting. You're lamenting. And then, now, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong because God is not intimidated and he, he doesn't mind hearing from us. And the Israelites, a lot of the parts of the Psalms, their song is about, Lord, look what the enemy is doing to me. Lord, look how they cheat on me. Look how they take advantage of me. Lord, look at how they took my job. Lord, look at how they mistreat me because of the color of my skin. Look at how they treat me because I'm a foreigner. And it just goes on. It's all about lamenting. And then usually they will end by saying, Lord, do something about it. So I'm not saying necessarily that's a bad thing. But I do want to encourage you now. This is me talking to you now. 
I build my whole ministry not on lamentation. You will really hear me teach or preach whining and complaining about anything. And yes, I go through. Sometimes I'm physically sick. Sometimes I'm hurting. Sometimes there's some struggle going on in my life. But I just don't put emphasis on that. Instead, I chose a life of praise. Instead, I chose to focus on the good things that God is doing. That's not to deny all those hurts, all those pain, all those trouble, all those struggles, but I chose to elevate God, to say, Lord, I thank you. This is Monday or this is Tuesday or Wednesday or, or Thursday or, or Friday or Saturday or Sunday or whatever the day is. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for putting food on my table. Thank you for putting clothes on my back. Thank you that I have roof over my head. Thank you for my automobile. Thank you that my washer is washing. Thank you that I have shoes to wear. I mean, I just, I just want to spend my life a life of praise. That's what I'm encouraging you. David was able to accomplish so much in his life. The Bible records he never lost a single battle. Wow. You know his secret? It's very simple. He learned to praise his way out of trouble. That's my prayer for you, my friend. Don't spend too much time complaining. Learn to praise God. Learn to celebrate God. And when you learn to celebrate God, all of heaven will rejoice with you. And you will see things changing in your life. I love you with the love of the Lord. Thank you for watching us this evening. And I'll see you next week at the same time. Let me invite you to come to Jesus. If you are watching me this evening, and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, will you please consider him to be your Lord and to be your Savior? There's a number under the screen that you can call right now. And there are ministers of the gospel that are waiting to pray with you. They have been trained to do just that. We just want to rejoice with you. We just want to thank God for you for making a decision to believe in Jesus. And maybe you're already a Christian, but there's a need in your life. And there's a prayer request. And you just need somebody to pray with you. Will you please give them a call? And they'll be glad to pray with you. Thank you for listening. God bless you.